Sorry about the fan noise, uh, I just couldn't be bothered to plug my own mic in. This turned out to be the final episode of Fundamentally Flawed, so uh, there we go, that's just how it goes, I guess. So, yeah, there we go. There's no more of this after this, so, yeah, bye everybody, enjoy the last ever episode. In the beginning, man created God, and saw that it was profitable. Hello! Is this live? I don't know if it's live. Maybe it's live. I hope it's live. We've had all sorts of problems with G Plus and... That was wacky. I literally oh. got back in just in time there. Literally. Google's own instructions are just oh, all over the place, but I found it now. Oh, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Google's own instructions for things in a few minutes. Uh, this is episode 87. Hello, everybody. Uh, we, are, we are here. We are joined by a guest, Matthew Bell, who we'll be coming to shortly. Uh, we've... It's been another week of, of fun and frolics. Um, I'm, I'm going to start off the kind of the week's news headlines type thing. Headlines. Yeah, the new headlines. Uh, it's a slightly different one. This one is a more tech orientated. Uh, log me in, which I use all the time to stop my mum insisting I drive thirty odd miles to her house to sort <laughs> out problems with her email. Uh, gave everybody one day's notice last week that they were no longer going to be free. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've been desperately casting round for a replacement. Uh, thought I'd found it with uh, Google's Chrome Remote Viewer thing, Remote Desktop Viewer. Uh, everything installed fine on all the computers, and then none of them would connect to each other. And it was only when I could have read another article about it, not nothing in the in the Google uh, instructions anywhere. Uh, another article pointed out you all have to be logged into the same account. Huh? On Google, so that's kind of that one. Out that's of impossible since they brought out the two-key authentication thing. Because we've had this before, where we try to start a joint YouTube account. Yeah. <coughs> so there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of ridiculous. So um, yeah, that was my thing. I'm annoyed with technology this week. So. Uh, seems and like Susanna is a, unable to log in as well. That's no, she don't. Oh well, we'll get Susanna in somehow. She just needs to keep trying. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I try another account, perhaps, Susanna. <laughs> See if she could set up another account. Okay. Uh, I'm. So, oh, there we go. Mine's, uh, I've, my saved stories weren't loading, but now they're all. Uh, now they're all coming in just fine. Um, well, my bit of consumer advice for the week, ladies and gentlemen, is be careful what you wish for with Amazon.com. Long story short, my Kindle stopped working. Uh, and they sent me a new one. Great, like you know, no hassle at all. But because it was over the Christmas period, um, I completely forgot to get in touch with them because they didn't send me a return label for me to send the old one back. So I completely forgot about it. The old one that just didn't even turn on anymore was like sitting on a shelf waiting to be sent back. And then I got an email saying that they took 160 quid from my bank account, just like that. Um, and it. It was actually from an account that I don't keep money on because it's the only card that I use online. So, you know, if I get, like, identity theft or whatever, uh, there's no money there for them to take. But, like, they've just miracled. Like, it took me over my overdraft, you know. Um, Anyway, I kicked up a bit of a stink about it on Reddit. And someone, now, it could be unrelated, uh, but someone has sent me a gift voucher for 150 quid and refunded um, the money that they took. So I'm, I, I hope that it's Google, uh, Amazon just being nice, uh, but um, 
I don't know. So uh, well, if, you, if you're watching this, thanks for the 150 quid. <laughs> well, another thing that sometimes works is if you complain on Twitter. So if you if you uh, have a little tweet that moans about something going wrong, uh, and you tweet it, or you meant you meant them in your tweet, then um, then things can happen that way. Uh, so Rachel's got things working like that as well. So that's another way of possibly getting things working without uh, without having to go around the uh, rigmarole of ringing up. With Amazon, Amazon you mean? With anyone. She's done it. She's done it with um, First Great Western, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes, and it and it just worked. So it just worked. Excellent. I once tried it with uh, We Buy Any Car, asking them if they buy a car that I imagined uh, that was on fire, and I asked them if they'd buy my my Fiesta that was on fire. Uh, they asked me how was I driving it, to which I responded very carefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, they then didn't want to buy it, so I did point out to them that they should change the name of, the sh- of their advert, their, their company, to We Buy Any Car. We Buy Almost Any Car. Yeah, almost Any Car. They've since also pointed out that they don't buy toy cars. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> really, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, saw, I saw this on the internet. Some, some guy had uh, a, word, a letter written out beautifully and said, would you buy this toy car? It was a to- little tykes, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. And it's like they sent a long, uh, a long letter back, and then at the end he said, "Please don't contact us again." Yeah. They're getting scared of him now. Um, One of the best things like that I've seen um, is actually in relation to Bic pens. Oh, that one, yes. Yeah, basically this guy was stating that um, his Bic pens were obviously possessed by the devil because every single Bic pen he had would do nothing but draw erect penises. Yeah. <laughs> So he sent back some, and they, they sent him, you know, sort of a letter, and they said, as far as we know, this isn't something that normally happens. Maybe it is a ghost, blah, blah, blah. But and they sign it at the end, and the signature at the end looks like a penis. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> well, you kind of think he's scrolled on the wall of a school, you know, by a, by a child. Um, but it, it was done in such a way that it's definitely a signature. It just happened to look like a penis. Yeah, it did. I don't know why I've gone yellow. Hold on, let me just white balance myself there. There you go. Nice, normal colour. Yellow. What? What is going on? Okay, sorry. Uh, so, um, does anybody else have a story they want to tell us before we get to our yes. guest? Last yeah. Monday, the uh, Rosetta Comet chaser um, sort of sprang back into life after, you know, ten years yeah. after it was launched. And I didn't know anything about this. They're going to land a probe on a freaking comet. How cool is that? Yes. Uh, the European Space Agency, this is a story on theguardian.com. Uh, the European Space Agency's Rosetta probe aims for a spectacular first in space exploration. The billion, u- billion euro machine will catch up with a comet, circle it slowly, and throw down a lander at the surface. With gravity too weak to keep it there, the box of electronics and sensors on legs will cling to the ride uh, with explosive metal harpoons. Uh, the Rosetta probe and its lander, Philly, uh, will scan and poke the comet... Ooh. As it tears towards the sun, uh, as the comet draws near, it will, war- it will warm and spew huge plums of gas and dust into the tail, more than one million kilometers long. Oh. The spectacle has never been captured up close before. So presumably, there's some kind of video cameras on this thing, and we're going to sit and watch the... How cool is that? It's, it's science, Jim. Science is exceedingly cool. It is a but bit cool, that like. 
Yes, thing that really blew me away was they launched it ten years ago, but they knew exactly where it was going to be and exactly the time and date that it was going to be there. And just, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Einstein. I think the big thing about this is if they can find some uh, evidence um, that maybe a comet did see life on Earth um, from that particular comet, if, if they can find, I don't know, some sort of... Uh, uh, chemical mix on 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 that comet. Uh, that is going to be fantastic news. The the comet is four kilometers wide, roughly the size of Mont Blanc, and the surface mm. is unlikely to be smooth. I hope it doesn't go horribly wrong. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's the potential there. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was one one last thing before we get to. I guess that you wanted to bring up. Uh, well, there's there's also one that MK wanted to bring up. So we'll go to Matt first, and then MK. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the thing, the story I have is um, about physics, naturally, uh, and it's about um, uh, in, in the new magazine called Quanta magazine, uh, called New Physics Theory of Life. And basically, this guy at MIT has come up with an underlying mechanism for evolution, and it's all to do with um, energy. Um, Energy being where well, it's just a quantity that is, is useful, but uh, he's saying that en- that evolution drives uh, organisms to um, be more efficient energy dissipators, and it's this thing that makes that is is the key thing to the evolution of life. Um, I had a little read of the article. I I, I regularly get the idea, and, and and that and that's and that's the idea. And I've also got a, um, got the uh, the paper that, that he published in Chemical Physics, uh, which is also quite interesting. It's it's way over my head because I I don't do statistical physics. I just do simple fluids, uh, and and yes, it's it's um it's something that could really make biology become even more deep with the idea of, of not just evolution but something more fundamental that that drives evolution and that's um, organisms, organisms being effective dissipators of heat. But that's, that's that, I think. Is your story, MK? Um... This is following a couple of videos by YouTube poster Capricious Black Box. I don't know if anybody has heard of him. He's the mm-hmm, guy with the deep clean garage that fixes cars. Um, I've heard him. I've heard him. Yes, he's um, he keeps himself uh, as, as a nom de plume because where he lives, yeah, is quite a religious fundamentalist area. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, um, and he does some very thoughtful videos, um, and he did one, and um, our old friend uh, Tim, also known as Bible Thumping Wingnut, um, did a response to it, um, or it may well have been that Tim did a, a video and Capricious Black Box responded to it, but what then Tim was doing was deleting comments, didn't matter who it was who was making them, Anybody who was making a critical comment, even if it was as polite as can be, Tim was deleting them. Uh, and then he, he posted his own comment, 
and he actually got a number of his own sock puppets to plus one that comment. I now, saw unfortunately, that. with YouTube and Google Plus being linked in the way that they are, you can actually dig into a comment to find out who's plus one there. And it became so obvious that it was his own sock puppets that were doing it. Mm. Yeah, they're um, all things like Bible thumping man cave and yeah, yeah, and, his, yeah. and he, and he doc dropped himself, which was quite funny. That was brilliant. So yeah. I brought my own little uh, friend along. Ah, uh, he, he, brought... he likes the comments that we're doing at the moment, so he's plus one there. Nice. That's what we need. So, has anybody else got anything they want to bring to the table before Suzanne we... Susanna does, but she's struggling to rejoin, but you've just posted the link for her there. I have, so hopefully her new account can join her sock account. <laughs> <laughs> now she's got yeah. a sock account. So, are these the two friends you were mentioning uh, in the... Yeah, yeah. So you had some friends to bring along. I had to borrow my son's socks. I had to make sure they were washed especially... Because you're a typical teenage scrote. And they're Angry Bird socks. <laughs> Angry Bird. Fantastic. Yeah, from M&S. There you go. And that's, that's not just named after the game. It's named after a bird who's angry. It's, yeah. That's what they call angry ladies in Milton yeah. Keynes. They're Angry Bird socks. And it's got a picture of Pauline Quirk. Pauline Quirk. Yeah, Pauline Quirk. You know, oh, you can end up plus ones. Yeah. You plus uh, one at everybody's comments. And of course, I've got no influence at all over these two individuals. No. They're not related to me, completely independent. No, uh, so, uh, one thing I will say that I was saying just before we started, uh, there was a little thing that I noticed this week that the, the word, uh, the, the, the title of the site, YouTube, sounds like an insult if you say it in a Cockney accent. Shut it, YouTube! YouTube! So that's what I want to send out into the world as my gift to everybody this week. Uh, if you want to insult somebody, you call them a YouTube! So, YouTube! What are you looking at, YouTube? Yeah, it's like, what's wrong with you, YouTube? So, uh, so there you go. So, uh, I think... What is? I, I'm not sure what's happening with Susanna. She's having trouble seeing a link I posted. Yeah, uh, right so, there. Okay. On it's the YouTube. same window where she's going. Well, I don't see it. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> so where is it? And it's, it's, it's right there. It's right there, Susan. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll send it. T- I'm, right, I'm going to send it her on. Uh, bloody hell. Uh, Put oh, shirt on it, then she'll see it. I'll send it to her on. Uh, I've sent it to her on you on Facebook as well, so she can find it on there and click in. So, uh, so this is for the listeners of the MP3 version, which we do still do and is still kind of quite popular apparently. I um, used it the other day; it's great. Yeah, it's good. It's very useful. It's good for listening for those those new eight-hour post-show hangouts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep on going, don't they? <laughs> if you want to listen all night long, all night long, all night, that, that's best singing. Shush now. Um, so if you want to listen to that, then uh, the long ones and the, the MP3 version is probably the best thing to do because you don't want to spend hours downloading a more than one gigabyte file. But I can get a gigabyte. <laughs> gigabyte. One gigabyte of, of, of technical goodness. So uh, I'm just going to time, time filling a little bit here because our guest is, is apparently on the phone at the moment. So I'm just filling time a little bit here, just spinning it out. While he does that usually. Well, he, hey, now, now. <laughs> I am. Um... I have 
Go on, Kat, what was that? I'm looking at weird life hacks because that's what I do when I'm bored. Not yeah. that I'm bored at the moment, but that's what I do. Apparently, ice cream plus flour equals bread. Oh, we should try that so you later. Put two cups of ice cream, any flavor, a cup and a half of self-rising flour, mix until all the flour is moistened, bake in a grease tin uh, for 45 minutes. Interesting. Apparently, it makes bread. We should try that later. Ice cream bread. Ice cream bread. Ice cream? Well, because really, if you think about it, it's cream, sugar... Sometimes eggs. So it's all the stuff you need to make ice cream. And then yeah. self-raising like flour. Sounds like a surefire way to knack your microwave, that Possibly. It doesn't go in the microwave. You do it in the oven. Yeah, I don't think you microwave bread. Oh. <laughs> that's probably where you've been going wrong, to be honest. Uh, yeah. That's probably why it's not been working when you've been trying to make bread. You're like in the microwave. You're like, oh, damn it, it's not working again. <laughs> What is wrong with my bread? It's always rubbish. All right. I should have said oven. Okay, now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, we do have a guest. Uh, hello, Matthew. He's waving at us. That for, just for the sake oh, of the, the listeners. Oh. <laughs> there we go. So, Matthew, um, the, reason, the reason I invited Matthew on is that Matthew often comments as the show's going on. When we've got people like G-Man uh, and... Uh, Richard Raspberry, a.k.a. Josh Shelley. When we've got the intellectual titans on, uh, <laughs> it does comment often that maybe we should get somebody who actually knows what they're talking about on. So I thought, you know, because he does sometimes say, oh, we're, we're you know, running away from him and stuff, and I just wanted to make sure that that was clear that we weren't. So I thought I'd invite you on, Matthew. Cool. And, and how are you today? I'm good. Matthew, firstly, I do, I do want to ask you before we go any further, uh, has there been any fallout from the hugely watched video that Thunderfoot made? I don't know what video you're talking about. I, I heard about some video, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, he made a video of the... Uh, I'm just trying to find the how many hits it's had so far. Uh, it was... It's, he made a little bit because you made an appearance on the Magic Sandwich show, uh, where I think yes. you were describing your... Uh, a, adherence to divine command theory yes uh, so the yeah. best advice would be to watch the magic sandwich show so you can see everything in context and not uh, not a voiceover edited selected uh, biased version of it by Thunderfoot no I'd absolutely agree with you I would say that definitely do that do listen to the the full version of it uh, it's it is worth listening to I mean we, I think to, we've, we've criticized Thunderfoot for doing that kind of thing before actually yeah, I mean, I think to be fair to Thunderfoot, uh, the the context isn't actually much different, but uh, it's he has made this video that uh, does. Uh, yeah, this is the danger of editing things, though. This is why I don't like yeah. doing it. I like the live thing. It's like it just throws up a a, a, a flag where one doesn't need to be thrown up, really. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. I think. Absolutely. It's had 41,000 views so far, uh, the video. Uh, yes. But it, again, the thing is, it does feature it does feature Thunderfoot reading out the Bible in that kind of Thunderfoot voice he does. So, yeah, well, simple minds are... Simple things are new simple minds. Well, it's had, it's had 60 down votes, so that's pretty good. Uh, we'll ignore the 3,800 up votes. Um, yeah. But it, it, is typ- it is typical Thunderfoot, because you know how he reads the Bible, like, and then Adam said to Joseph, blah, 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 blah. Mm. and it is a little bit overwrought, and I'm not a fan. So, I'm not uh, a fan. No, no, I'm not a fan of Thunderfoot. I think he can be a little bit... I think he can be clever when he wants to, but uh, I don't know. I think there's a little bit... Um, 
There's something, going on. There's something going on there that I don't quite get. Can I say supercilious and pompous? You can say those words if you want. Would, would they be a fair approximation of how some of us... They don't necessarily reflect the views of Fundamentally Flawed Incorporated, but... They reflect my views. Certainly welcome to express <laughs> that opinion. It wouldn't be out of place. So... Matthew, you're back with us. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you want to ask us things and, and talk about things. So I'm, I'm going to let you kind of dictate the pace a little bit here. Well, I mean, I came on in response to your invite, so I kind of assume that you were, um, had some questions to okay. ask or some points okay. to make. And my position's, um, I think my position's fairly clear to all and sundry on where I stand. Okay, well, let's take it a different track then. Uh, Okay, I'm going to take, but I'm going to kind of put my other podcast hat on and kind of try and go this way with it. Uh, I've noticed that with your your more recent videos, there's been a. It's seemingly from the outside, it looks like there's been a kind of slight change in your approach to the way you're uh, dealing with non-believers. Has that been a kind of a conscious thing that you've decided to take a different approach, or did did we just get you on a bad day the first time we had you on, or neither? Was it neither? No. Oh. I, I, um, what you see on the video is, is my general approach to atheists. But when atheists um, choose to go on the attack, then I'm quite happy to go in the gutter with them and uh, have that fight. I think being willing to admit that is fair enough. I think because I think some people are trying to set themselves up as being the kind of the higher up the, you know, and being all the kind of like, yes, I'm better than everybody else. And I think, you know, being able to, you know, saying that you're quite happy to uh, take the fight to the, the non-believer. Um, you've also been quite critical of, of some other uh, believers. You're, you're not backwards in coming forward when you don't agree with them, I've noticed. No, that's a, that's a discussion to be had with them. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that case, I well, we'll see if they want to come in on the, the after show. Uh, so, uh, Let's let's see. What, so you think that you you've previously said that you think that atheism isn't a uh, viable position. Do you still hold to that that view? Yes. And why do you think that? There's no good reason to be an atheist. There's every good reason to not be an atheist. Okay. Well, does anybody else want to take this, or are you happy for me to continue asking um, questions? Matthew, you last time you spoke about an argument that you thought was a very good argument for believing in a deity, the Leibnizian argue, uh, cosmological argument. Do you, do you still hold that position that it's a good argument? Yes. Why? Because it's, because it's a valid, it's in valid deductive form. It has premises which are more plausibly true than the negation and it takes you to um, the existence of a non-contingent being, which is the cause of every other contingent being. But one of the premises in the argument is that deities can create can, only deities can create our uh, universes. Which, so you are assuming your conclusion in your premise. Which premise is that, and which by, by present, presented by whom, and which premise are you referring to? Uh, the last time I looked on it, it was. The by William Lane Craig. Yeah. Well, let me see if I can find the Leibnizian the, the argument. Here we go. Yes, reasonable faith. First, 
first um, first hit. Um, uh, yes. Um, one of the arguments is uh, using the William Lane Craig uh, version. If the universe has an explanation of, the, of its existence, that explanation is God. That's a barefaced assertion. That yeah. that really uh, that really no That's what premises are: assertions. But um, that's in what your, we are. In but the but I mean that's just I mean <laughs> well, 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 that just assumes the answer. No, it doesn't because yes, it what, does. You're crowbarring an idea of God I- into there without any any good reason. I could say, for example, uh, using the, the link that we have here, anything that exists has an explanation of, of an existence, either in the nece- necessity of its own nature or an external cause. If the universe has an explanation of ex- its existence, it's a naturalistic one. The universe exists. Therefore, the universe has an explanation of, it, of its existence. Therefore, the explanation of existence of the universe is uh, by, nat- my, by nat- naturalistic means. So I've swapped the God, just, just a word, with, with something else and, mm-hmm. pr- and proven that it has a naturalistic explanation. So that, that argument I see is just to play on, on semantics. They crowbar the idea of God into the, into the premise for no good reason other than they want the God to come out. So the the argument is seems to be okay, but it's a case of with any sort of algorithm or argument uh, we have in in any sort of computer programming, we say crap in, crap out. And the argument that you have here, like if the universe has an explanation of its of its existence, that explanation is God. That's crap. And the crap you get out is therefore the explanation of the existence of the universe is God, and that's a crap out. So as far as I can see, it's just a bare assertion, and you're crowbarring the idea of God in. You're not, you're not deducing, therefore we can explain it naturalistically, therefore God. That well, I mean, happen here. It just it barely asserts that only gods can create universes. Well, I'd, I'd jump in here. I mean, I'd say that you could, you could also reframe it like this. I mean, we're aware of the character Doctor Who, and we're aware that he has various powers and abilities. He's been resurrected several times, uh, 13 so far, I believe. Uh, and we've all seen him on television. We're aware of the character of Doctor Who. We're aware that he always does good. Uh, now, if I change the argument like this, every existing thing that has an explanation of its existence, either in the necessity of its own nature or or an external cause. If the universe has an explanation of its existence, that explanation is Doctor Who, who caused it to exist by going back in time and creating it with his TARDIS. Uh, the universe is an existing thing, therefore the explanation of the universe is Doctor Who, who went back in time and created it with his TARDIS. Um, like, like Matt says, you, you can put anything in at one end, and you can prove anything out the other end, so how is it in any way a valuable argument? Um. It's a, it's a valuable argument if you understand some basic logic and you understand how logical arguments work. Um, when you have a logical argument, the premises are exactly what Matt Hunt stated, a bare assertions, they're assertions. But when you have the assertions, you then need to support the assertions. Like if you look, for example, like William Lane Craig and the Callum Cosmological Argument, it's just 
two assertions with a conclusion. But he then goes on to offer support for premise one, for premise two, and he does the same with the um, the Leibnizian cosmological argument. As did the as did the founder of the Leibnizian um, cosmological argument, Leibniz. Yeah, but he does it by using an ambiguous definition of words like begins, cause, and exist. He doesn't. He he makes them in the context where. And I understand that you don't support Kalam. Um, but I do he, support Kalam. You said you didn't last time, but okay. I um, didn't. I've never did, said that. He didn't support it because it wasn't as uh, uh, as thoroughly supported as you believed Leibnizian was. That's what we argued about the first time you were on. That's incorrect. I think you were so busy broadcasting uh, your objection to me that you didn't actually listen when I tried to agree with you about that. But anyway, um, and anyone anyone interested in seeing whether that's a true statement or a false statement, I refer you to the YouTube video presented on that first debate. You will not hear me saying that I. Do not support the Callum cosmological argument. At one point I you do. did, and then, and then another point no, you didn't. People can see the video, and they can, um, yeah, yeah exactly. they can make that determination. I'm happy to rest the case with that. Uh, would but you be happy to retract that if the video showed that, in fact, you yeah, didn't, definitely, didn't of course. But I know I didn't because everyone knows my position on the, the Callum that I think it's a good argument for God, that the Leibnizians are good argument for God, and etc. etc. But okay. to stick to the point. When you say that the Callum cosmological argument it uses vague terms, uh, like big, I think you used three words there: begin, um, cause. What, what was the other word you used there? Exist. Does it exist? Hmm. Okay. Well, so that, are you aware of where William Lane Craig defines what he means by begin to exist and? I'm aware of the additional layers of complexity that he adds on to his argument afterwards, yeah, but he doesn't account for the disingenuous definition of those words that he gives. He proceeds as if there isn't an alternative explanation. Fuck. He proceeds as if there isn't an alternative explanation for the existence of the universe, when in fact there is. Okay, so when uh, when William Lane Craig, when he uses the term cause, uh, what's he referring to? Uh, a cause of the universe. What kind of cause? Well, we can presume he means Yahweh. Okay, so actually, I mean, and anyone can check this out, all they need to do is look at and familiarize himself with the work of William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig is quite specific when he uses the word cause. He is referring to an efficient cause of the universe. And How would you define an efficient cause of the universe? An efficient cause would be the thing that causes something to change. So if you have an artist, he uses the analogy, for example, if you have um, an artist and they are painting a picture, um, the artist is the efficient cause, the paint, the material, is the material cause. So he's not proposing, when he uses cause, he, it, it's, it's Aristotelian. Um, Aristotle identified four causes, four kinds of causes, and he's referring to one of those causes, which the efficient cause. He's not referring to Yahweh. He's not referring. To, it's not a vague term for anyone who's familiar um, with philosophy uh, or Aristotle, or indeed even if someone were ignorant of Aristotle and philosophy, anyone who was well read. Um, on the work of William Lane Craig would be aware 
of where he specifically identifies and carefully identifies that by cause he means efficient cause of the universe. And second to that, he also clearly identifies in quite technical terms uh, what he means by the, te- the phrase begins to exist. Because he had uh, one of his colleagues, one of his philosoph- philosophical colleagues called Wes Morriston, who I think is also a professor of religion, they had some um, a, a kind of written debate. And in that written debate, um, what part of his response to Wes Moradin's was to go beyond what he had previously identified it to be into, a specific, into something more specific. But it's a philosophical argument presented for peer-reviewed philosophical journals. Sure. So it's but, not presented for the layperson. Yeah, sure, but so so, but on that then, though, you know, given that you, you've acknowledged that it is for uh, academic uh, disambiguation rather than sort of the common person, do you believe that the efficient cause is Yahweh? No. So no, why do you think that the Kalam cosmological argument is a valid argument for the existence of the particular God that you happen to believe in? Because I know I know what the Kalam cosmological argument is. I mean, the Kalam cosmological argument was first coined by Muslims. It's, a, it's an argument coined by a Muslim, and um, it's not I here. It, being, uh, it was, it was, uh, was it Greek? Um, no, I could be wrong on that. <clears throat> yeah, you are. It's not geared. It's not. Are you geared, ever wrong? No, it's not geared. It's not geared to get you to a specific god, like Yahweh or Allah. But you believe in a, a specific god. Yes, but do I not? don't. Yes, so why do you I, believe that the Kalam cosmological argument is, is a valid argument for the existence of the particular God that you happen to believe in? I don't. So why well, do I mean, you use it is, as an example? <laughs> I mean, can, I, can I hop in here? No, I can, mean, I the, ask, can I respond to okay, that? Okay, go ahead. Go, on, go ahead and reply to that one. Because the, the only the purpose of the Kalam cosmological argument is to demonstrate that belief in a God is rational. Not a specific God, but belief in God is rational. That's its, that's its only purpose. It does not have the intention to demonstrate the existence of a particular God, like the God of Christianity or Islam or Judaism. So it's not a flaw in the argument that it doesn't achieve what it doesn't set out to achieve. So, and so it's you, not you, fallacious. It's not fallacious for a Muslim, a Christian, a Hindu, any kind of theist to use that argument to say, okay, belief in God is rational. Right, but if you, if you use the mechanism of that argument, as Matthew pointed out earlier on, uh, Dr. Matthew Hunt, by the way, not not Matthew Bell, um, for the benefit of the MP3 listeners, uh, you you can you know by your lights rationally argue for the existence of the tooth fairy. Well, no, you can't. And what you're doing is that you're conflating two you're conflating two discussions there. No, what I'm doing is pointing out that you can use the mechanism of that argument in order to quote unquote prove the existence of anything if you presuppose the existence of that thing before you started to examine the argument. Okay, but if you let me maybe let me finish this time. Um, Matt Hunt was addressing the Leibnizian cosmological argument and saying the Leibnizian cosmological argument has God crowbarred into premise two of the argument. Is that correct there, Matt? That was my assertion, yes. Yeah. 
So it's nothing to do with the Callum cosmological argument, which is a different and separate argument. And you can't yeah, well, use you can't use the Callum uh, or the Leibnizium uh, to crowbar anything you want in there, because to return to the point that Matt was making, um, when you have an argument, you lay out your premises, and then you support your premises because premises need empirical support or rational support. And well, if what you predictions look at, does the Leibnizian argument make about how it could be falsified? Any logical argument can be falsified by virtue of having a false premise or not being in valid logical form. A logical argument by definition is falsifiable. Can I hop in here? Because I want to just go back to the Kalam here. I mean, the Kalam in its simplest form is whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. I mean, it makes no mention of any uh, deities at all. Uh, I still can't see how Leibnizian, the Leibnizian argument has anything other than an invalid second premise. Okay, but, that, but you're <coughs> making two points there, not one, so I'll try and address both of them. Okay. First of all, uh, again... If anyone actually reads the Callum Cosmological Argument by William Lane Craig and reads it in its t totality, um, they'll find out the way he argues is he presents a formal uh, deductive argument for the universe having a cause of its existence, but it doesn't stop there. He then says, okay, now we are here, now let's do an, an analysis of what properties that cause must have. Yes, but then he, see, he, he, he draws his conclusions from the false I'm premise. Not, I'm not finished. I've got to jump in here and say this because it's not it's not called the William Lane Craig cosmological argument. It's called the Kalam. If you're saying that it can only be made sense of if you go by William Lane Craig's version, what if I don't hold William Lane Craig as an authority? I mean, this is the man who's an apologist for murder. I just have no interest in what William Craig, Lane Craig okay. has to say. The argument itself is not convincing, and William. Craig, Lane Craig is, to put it bluntly, a bullshit merchant. So okay. how does this get to anything like okay. an explanation for God? Okay, well, let's say Theist X is using the Callum, or let's say I'm using the Callum cosmological argument. What I'm going to do is I'm going to present the formal part, which is, as you outline, premise one, premise two, and the conclusion. And then I'm going to say, okay, let's analyse what properties the cause that cause must have and it's from doing that analysis that the theist would try and attempt to give rational warrant for that cause being equal to God because on the argument not saying it's true but on the argument that cause must have certain properties like being timeless changeless spaceless um, very powerful and uh, a, a personal agent. So that would be Why? the argument. Why? Who decided that? Yeah, who, who, logic, who made that logic, up? Logic determines that. For and example, how does logic dictate that it must be a personal agent? Okay, but, but but let's let's not go let's not go straight to that. No, let's. let's no, let's. I think it's fairly personal. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, but a discussion is not about one party picking out the, what they think is the weakest part of the other person's argument. Well, don't mention it then and not letting them respond to the other parts which are equally valid to understand for the audience. Okay, so I'm, we so only have to focus on the bits that you understand. Is that the, is that the deal? No, I, no I, mean, I mean, I think um, anyone who's familiar with the Callum Cosmological argument 
I think if they were to make a judgment between your knowledge of the Callum based on your comments in the last 10 or 15 minutes and my knowledge of the Callum and my understanding of the Callum, I don't think they're going to have very much harder task to make a determination rationally who has the better understanding of the Callum cosmological Okay, well, what, is, what am I getting wrong with? One, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Two, the universe began to exist. Three, therefore, the universe has a cause. What am I missing there? You're not that missing is anything. the Kalam. So, what yeah. am, so why are you saying that I've obviously got a weaker understanding of it than you? Because no, you're saying that to understand it, well, you just did. You're saying that anybody watching it will get a, you know, an idea of who's... No, that, that, that was in reference to the intervention by Jim Gardner and was comments directed to Jim Gardner, not to you. Okay. So, and again, what, what you do is you say, here's the logic behind it. The logic is something like this, like, so, okay, so the, if the universe began to exist, if the universe is the beginning of time, time began with the universe, then any cause of the universe must be without time. It must be timeless. If the universe is the origin of matter and um, space, time, then the cause must be immaterial. Yeah, that God interacts with the physical universe. Well, look, can I finish? Can yeah, I finish go, ahead, first? go ahead, Matthew. Um, and then you, you know you come on to the so to timeless, changeless, spaceless. You then have you know the fact that this cause has brought a universe into existence. So there's a reasonable suggestion there that it's a powerful being or a powerful cause. No, there isn't. Well, no, there isn't. You've immediately anthropomorphized it. You're saying that it's timeless and changeless and outside of the physical universe, and that therefore it's proof of something that exists in the physical universe. No, I didn't. I said well, let me go through these three points. Let me just go through these. So timeless, so mm. it exists before time exists, so it is unable to act because there is no Correct. time for it to act in. Uh, what was the next one? It was without matter, so it physically doesn't exist. And the yeah. final one was, which one was the last of the three? No, there was four, spaceless and changes. Spaceless. Because... So spaceless, so it has absolutely no actual physical form. And right. changeless, it cannot act again. Right. So how can this thing that has those four traits actually do anything at all? Yeah, much less turn oh. water into wine and tell us to eat fish on a Friday. I mean, what's the connection here exactly? <laughs> well, first Sorry. of all... I... First of all, just to reiterate, the Callum cosmological argument does not have the intention to take you to a particular god. So to bring in the, the fish illustration here, which is speaking about a specific alleged revelation from God through the person of Jesus Christ, is again to misrepresent the Callum cosmological argument. It does not have that intention. So why is it favoured by Christian apologists? I think you'll find that, like I said to you earlier, it was, a, it was Muslims who, create, who originated the mm -hmm. argument. They, was, they, yes. they, did, yeah. they did that on very much the same basis and reasoning that well, um, other you any man-made religion you want. What's the connection? Man-made religion. So you're, you're begging the question that every religion is man-made. Can you, can you prove that assertion? Uh, yeah. Categorically, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so can you prove to me that... Uh, Christianity is a man-made religion. Yes, yes. I've read the Bible. Okay. So let's go then. Let me hear your evidence then. Well, have you heard of a book called the Bible? I'm vaguely familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. That's your well, evidence. Let's start there. I mean, you, you'd struggle to think of anything more man-made if you if you tried. I mean. Really? 
Well, I mean, I, I well, I mean, I studied the Bible for maybe thirty years, and the last, the last thing, the last thing I regard it to be is man-made. That's yeah. your problem. Right, we're distracting off something here. I really want to pull something back because because Matthew oh. could, have, could have directed us away from yeah. this. Why do you think oh, 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 the cause oh, 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 has to be oh, 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 a personal cause? First of all, yeah, but let's let's just oh. be. Let's, let's not, just be let's accurate not here. No, no, no. Yeah, but we, let's we be accurate here. We can come back to it later, here. Matthew Bell. We can come back to it later, Matthew yeah, Bell. Yeah, we will. Let Alex go back to where we were yeah. before. before but what, yeah, but, but just okay. for the record, I did not direct that conversation away. Jim Gardner uh, misdirected the conversation by, again, misrepresenting the Kalam. By pointing out that you can't make a connection between the Kalam and Christianity. Let me just clarify here. What actually happened, Bush, what actually actually happened is that uh, you said that you shouldn't concentrate on the weakest part of an argument without looking at the rest and then diverted away from it. So uh, why does it have to be a personal a personal being? Well, let's imagine, let's imagine, the argument for that, and again, anyone who's familiar with the argument, which obviously you guys are... I've got it, it on my screen and it's very, very simple. Okay, so what argument does it give for the cause being a personal agent? Uh, I can see no example of why it exactly, and apart that, from beyond the point that William Lane Craig thinks it should have that. I mean, he goes right. on about. Uh, I mean, he gets into uh, he gets into successive addition and infinite regress because of the impossibility of actual infinity. But There's some incredible psycho babble in the additional layers of complexity that he adds on to it. But the Kalam itself doesn't. I mean, can we try and keep the conversation on some sort of intellectual level here? Without it is. The, without Fine. The, that, without, that's William Lane Craig off the without table. The, without, the, you know, without the loaded language and trying to poison the well against the subject and trying to be offensive to another person's views or, you know, like, is that necessary on the Hangout? No, we can, we can, we can leave William Lane Craig off the table from now on. Yeah, that does mean we have to leave any of his views off the table well, as well. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, but the thing is, if you do that, then you give me any scapegoats for not answering Alex's question. Well, I want to know, I want you to answer yeah. the question as to why you think. I mean, I'm not particularly interested in why William Lane Craig thinks it. I want to know why you think you can jump to a personal creator from uh, this idea that something started the universe. Well, I base that on William Lane Craig's argument. So, I mean, if you're going to ask me to present it without refer- reference to William Lane Craig, that's not okay. going to be possible. I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to reference William Lane Craig in this situation because I want to try and understand this. So, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm, okay. But no, I, I'm not... to the show, yes. Uh, yeah, but I'm not I restricting... you understood the Kalam. Yeah, I do understand the Kalam, yeah. Do you understand is, the Kalam or do you understand William Lane Craig? Well, the Kalam is... The best representation of the Kalam cosmological argument, I think, would be... Um, agreed by most uh, people who are familiar with the atheism-theism debate. So it's his interpretation of the Kalam that you you intend to use. His presentation of that and his supporting arguments, yes. Would that be objectionable to you? Is William Lane Craig a Christian theologian? Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so what's the connection between the Kalam and Christianity? There is no connection between the Kalam and... Thank you very much. Except, except for this that the Callum cosmological argument um, demonstrates or seeks to demonstrate that the uh, it's rational to believe that a God exists. That's its conclusion. It's rational to believe that God exists. <coughs> that has a connection to Christianity and that Christianity 
holds a belief. So, so Christianity, Christianity doesn't believe in a God. It's the Callum cosmological argument, as you yourself have stated. It stands alone. All it does is it gets you to something that you have described as a God. That's all it does. As a cause. You, oh, you, right. So, so when you get to... So, it does. So when you get to the cause, which is the conclusion of the argument, does it... So when you get to that cause that, uh, that Alex read out, the conclusion of the argument, is that where the argument ends? Well, I can, I can hop in at this where point. where that argument ends. But, I mean, yeah. but William Lane but, Craig's but, but, argument... But what I'm saying is, in the presentation of that argument by um, Muslims who have presented it, by Christians who have presented it, do they just present the two premises in conclusion and then say, okay, here's our support for that. They support, they try to support the premises and then they say, okay. And then what they do is they, they jump onto a God of the gaps argument and say, okay, because the, because the universe had a cause of its existence, that causes God. Is that what they do? Well, some of them, yes. Pretty much. Is that what is that what William Lane Craig does and philosophically minded theists? Well, William Lane Craig adds a second part, and he adds that the efficient cause of the universe must be God, because only God can produce a temporal effect from an eternal cause. Yeah. Uh, because he, but if you take eternity to be timelessness, then uh, you could argue that. Uh, an initial singularity can also produce a temporal effect from an eternal yeah. cause. Uh, I'm getting that from the fantasticinfidels.org website, just to yeah, cite well, my source there. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the problem. You know, you need to go to better sources than that. Oh, uh, right, like, like William Lane, bash your children's heads against yeah. the rocks, Craig. Oh, my God, please. Okay. I mean, is he a better core? Is he a better source? I mean, is that is yes. what I just said invalid? Is, is yes, that, definitely what's, so. What's yeah, wrong about what I've just said? No, I don't think it understands what a singularity is. It's just a boundary point beyond which uh, mathematics, physics, etc. breaks down. It's not a physical so it object. Isn't. It isn't. Yeah, well, you can present the evidence for that then. Well, he's a physicist, so he probably can. Well, well, I don't think. But wait, but wait. Let me respond to that because this is a, this is a, this is an invalid appeal to authority. Okay, a valid appeal to authority is when someone makes appeal to someone who is actually an expert in the subject matter under discussion. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but my understanding is that you are not a cosmologist. I have a, a master's degree which contained uh, a large part of cosmology from Oxford. Right. Are you a cosmologist? No, I'm not a practicing cosmologist, no. Correct, so you're not a cosmologist and the subject we're speaking about is cosmologist. Are you, However, are, you a, are you a trained theologian, Matthew? Matthew Bell, are you a priest? No, I'm not a priest. Well, well, some people so where are you like, going with this? Some Do you have a theological also. degree? Do you have no, a degree in theology? Okay. No, but, I, but I'm not on here representing myself as a theologian. If you look at the um, the um, Matthew Hunt's um, border thing, physicist, He's and, a physicist. And that's, yeah, and that's fine in itself. But when you then make reference to Matt Hunt as a physicist, when we're talking about a specialised field within physics, which is cosmology, that then ceases to be a va- Matt Hunt is, is an that, expert. Is that a bit like earlier on when you said that no one in this room understands the clan better than you? Okay. Can I respond to that? Yes, go ahead. 
Okay, that's, I mean, again, what I would encourage people to do is when this YouTube, the language. When this YouTube video is up and running, uh, if it's not taken down, then what I would suggest you do we is you go back, you go back, you listen to the earlier part of this debate. This is what you'll hear. You will hear Jim Gardner making a specific comment about my understanding of the column. And you will hear me responding specifically to Jim Gardner, comparing his knowledge and understanding of the column with my knowledge and understanding. That made no reference at all to any other individual in this hangout. That's what you'll see. So I recommend people... Uh, but I didn't claim to understand the column better than you. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to have to jump in again here. We, no, I'm going to say, everybody, just for a minute. Matthew, just wait a minute. Uh, we've, we, again, we've pulled away from why it has to be a personal entity. Okay, let me address that then, okay? This is the argument that would be, this is one of the arguments, like, um, I, this is William Lane Craig speaking, I'm going to quote him. Um, he says, in fact, I think that it can be plausibly argued that the cause of the universe must be personal. For how else could a temporal effect arise from an eternal cause? If the cause we are simply a mechanically operating set of necessary and sufficient condi conditions existing from eternity, then why would not the effect also exist from eternity? For example, if the cause of waters being frozen is the temperatures being below zero degrees, then if the temperature were below zero degrees from eternity, then any water present would also be frozen from eternity. The only but, way to have an eternal cause, but a temporal effect, would seem to be if the cause is a personal agent who freely chooses to create an effect in time. And that's, how? That's the argument well, about. And how does? How does? Let me just go here. How does a timeless being make any decision at all? It's it's not it's not a decision as in a temporal decision. It's a it's an atemporal decision. It's a and what is an atemporal decision? How does one make a decision if one has no time traction? It would be a because a, a, something that's timeless doesn't have time involved in it. So a, if God had a timeless intent, if God had a timeless intention to create a universe. There's no time involved in that timeless intention. The other thing I want to bring up about this as well, though, that technically ties into what you've just said, is how can something exist, how can there be an eternity before time exists? There is no time before the universe exists, so there technically is no eternity for this to have waited for. The well, entire, can, yeah, all the time would, in existence exists yeah, within the universe. But, but that would be right on certain definitions of eternal. So if you, sorry, whoever's phone keeps doing that, can you mute your microphone, please? I think it's so. Sick. I think if you, I think if sorry. you look at that, I think, if, I think if you check a dictionary, uh, some of the one of the definitions you'll find for the word eternal is always existing. Now, when it says always existing, the word always means existing at every point in time. Now that would be consistent with how you're using that. So, but then the time only exists. Oh, but this is the thing: the time only exists within the universe, within yes, the, correct, the bounds correct. of existence. So there's no outside for correct. an agent to and act within. I, yeah. So and how I, does God exist before the universe exists well, to then create the universe? That's what I'm coming to. 
Okay. So on on that definition, what you're saying is correct. But another definition of eternal is without beginning or ending. On that, that that's an atemporal definition, without beginning or ending. So if if for example the universe was eternal, it would be saying the universe never had a beginning and would never end. Okay, let me show you something. I'm holding this can up. Now this has got a a circular section. Where's the beginning or the ending of that section? There is no. It's a circle. And is that atemporal? No, it's in time because we are in time. We are temporal beings, and you're holding up something that's temporal in so time. How but can, can you point? Can you point me to something that's eternal, without beginning or without ending? I don't believe that such a thing can exist. So why can't the universe be eternal? I don't believe the universe is eternal. Why not? Some some, some cosmologists because do. Because I don't see any. Do. I don't see any convincing evidence that it can be eternal. If it's if it's come from a single point and it's expanding out, it's either going to go out to a heat death or a big crunch again, uh, that's not going to be eternal. I mean, it may have been a rebound from a previous version. The only way for it to be eternal would for it to be circular time that loops back on itself, so that it always goes around the same loop. But there can't be... I don't believe that you can have things that are infinite. I don't sure. believe that you can have things that are eternal yeah. in that sure. concept. So, cool. so answer me this then. What's a B-theory of time? The B-theory of time, I believe, is the one where it's the arrow of time moving along. Uh, I tend to be more of an A-theory person, where I think the, the only moment that exists is the solitary moment we're in. Cool. So what theory of time is the Callum cosmological based upon? Uh, I would say that it's based upon a B-theory, looking at it. Incorrect. The uh, Callum cosmological argument is contingent upon an A-theory of time. On a B-theory of time, nothing comes to exist. Absolutely nothing comes into being. It's an eternal universe. Well, I mean, I don't know enough about these theories to know whether yeah. you're right or wrong in that case. Exactly, but, but the thing is, though, this is my this is something towards my point I'm trying to make. Like, uh, William Lane Craig, as much as you may name-call him, um, he is a professional philosopher. He spe- his, specialist, his specialist subject in philosophy is the philosophy of time. So he kind of knows what he's talking about when he's talking about time. A, does he have a degree in physics? I don't, I don't think he really does. Everybody's talking at once. Be quiet, everybody. I think he actually specifically ran away from talking about time when he debated with uh, Lawrence Krauss, who does understand such things. Lawrence the topic Krauss? was off the table when he debated Lawrence Krauss. He specifically said that he wouldn't talk to Lawrence Krauss about that area. What area? Time. Of what you've just asserted is his so, area of expertise. So, so what? You, so, okay. So, let's examine that a little bit. Lawrence Krauss and William Lane Craig, uh, to my knowledge, they've had four debates, or one formal debate, three informal discussions. Is that is that accurate? As far as I know, they took place in Australia. I've only seen. Yeah, but there was one of them. There, no, there was uh, three. Yeah, three there, there, there was and one was a debate before then. Yes, yep. and there were some conversations in Australia. I, yeah. I forget how many. Well, take my word for it, there was three discussions in Australia, okay. more informal than, it wasn't a formal debate, more no. informal, and they had one debate before that. Okay? Now, on, on that debate, you, every, I think everyone would agree here that when William Lane Craig is doing his presentation, he pretty much uses the same arguments, yeah? Over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And one of those is a cow. Not his version of it, yeah. 
yeah, his version of the Callum cosmological argument. Now, here's an interesting point, because if Lawrence Krauss, a physicist and a cosmologist, if he knows about the B theory of time and the A theory of time, and he, he knows that the, the Callum cosmological argument is based on an A theory of time, and that science operates on a B theory of time, then why has he never challenged, or anyone else for that matter who's debated William Lane Craig, why have they never objected to the Callum cosmological argument that it's based on a theory of time that's rejected by science? I think that's well, pretty much what, I mean, I'm not putting words into his mouth, but I think that's pretty much what the upshot of, of, of Lawrence Cross's objection was. I mean... But well, you need to you would need to reference that you know give it you need to give a source for that I don't think that's what ha- I watch the debates very carefully I I tend to follow William Lane Craig I follow Lawrence Krauss I kind of digest everything they kind of say in their debates I analyze it and uh, I'm not familiar with the remarks that you're referring to about William Lane Craig allegedly refused because William Lane Craig has addressed this argument before by a I think uh, most memorably by a member of the audience to ask him the question, well, isn't the Callum cosmological argument A theory dependent? And what if the correct theory of time is a B theory? And his response was not to deflect, not to avoid, but to be his usual honest self and say, yeah, the Callum cosmological argument would not work on a B theory of time. Okay, we get it. You're a fan. How does this lead to Christianity? Well, like I, I think, um, I think people watching the video will be quite uh, getting Amused. quite tired of. Um, well, yeah, I'm getting, I, yeah, I think he will be. I think they'll be slightly bemused that you as to be, your inability to describe <coughs> how you get from the Quran well, to. Well, no, I, just I, I think. I think. What, but wait, I think no. You need to allow response to that. Um, um, and also, I would ask you to allow response to that. Are you gonna, yeah, cool. So I think they'll be amused at your repeated attempts to link the call, link the column, which does not have the intention to get to Christianity. No, I'm just trying to figure out it's how you think. It's an argument you're using. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm, 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 inter- I'm, I'm interested in getting from how you, you're the one who brought up the column, you're the one who brought up yeah. Leibnizian arguments. Yeah. How how you use those two arguments, either independently or in, in combination, to get from what I think we can safely call the God of the Gaps argument, to the specific God Yahweh. Why are you a Christian, based upon the Kalam argument? Well, I think think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there, because we've we've almost half an hour after me asking the question, we've still not actually had an explanation as to why it has to be a personal entity. Well, Uh, actually, I mean, I just just quoted to you the argument from William Lane Craig as to why that... But that included a naked assertion from William Lane Craig. What assertion was that? What assertion was that? That it has to be. He said that it it is a fair assumption that it must be... uh, He used used the word assumption in there, didn't he? No, I mean, he didn't actually, but was that... Read it again. Read it again, Matthew. Yeah, but no, but wait. Read it again, Matthew. But wait, did he offer an argument... Did he did he use the word assumption in there? Not that I'm aware of. Presumption. No, it again. He used either presumption or assumption. I'm pretty certain. In fact, I think it can be plausibly argued oh, that plausibly, because of the universe. So, yeah. so, so plausibly. So again, plausibly. why can it be plausibly argued? So I don't plausible think plausible about the argument. Because based on what he then goes on to present, 
for you then goes on to talk about how could a temporal effect arise from an eternal cause. He then presents if the cause were simply a mathematically operating set of necessary conditions, then the effect would always exist with the cause, so you wouldn't have no, cause No, but we effect. pointed out that it can't always exist until the event has happened, because time doesn't exist before that moment. So no. in a way, it does always exist, because it's the only time it can exist is within... Can I, can I just inject something here? Um, when we're talking about the beginning of the universe, we're talking about a very small uh, set of, of space-time. But when you have a very small something of, of anything... You're going to have some sort of quantum, quantum effect. There so was nothing. Say, so when you have to think, of, when you think about the creation of the universe, you're going to have to think about when there is no space-time, and how does how do quantum effects affect a state of no of no space-time? There's going to be some well, sort that, of well, uncertainty. Well, 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 but 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 that's doing the very thing you accuse William Lane Craig of doing, and that's crowbarring quantum effects into. Uh, when there was no space and time. You're trying to get something in there no, to create a world. No, it's not called buying anything in. That's what's observed. Well, and, no. Well, can you, can you point me to the, well, can you point me to the, can you point me to the scientific peer-reviewed journal which has observed quantum effects creating a universe? Can you do that, Matthew, since you're a physicist? Can, of course I can, and that's a silly exactly. question. It's as silly as, I, as, as me saying, can you point me to God that creates universes? You well, can. I can. Well, I can do that, actually. Yeah, I can you do haven't. that. That's what you the Calum... You can demonstrate that Yahweh no, created... Calum is an argument. Oh. It's not empirical evidence. What I, what, what I can do is I can present not just one argument, but over over 30 arguments, evidence... The one, one, one that... The one no. that proves that Yahweh did it is fine. Just go with that one that proves that Yahweh did it. Yeah, I mean, well, the, if you want the argument to us, I mean, if you want to get away from the Kalam and the Lubnitsi, and if, but let's just bear in mind, are you, is everyone happy to move on from that? Because I'm not going to move on from it. Well, uh, later, I'm wait, happy to move on wait, if you're prepared to accept yeah, that you can't prove that then, Yahweh created the universe, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's certainly not, my, I'm certainly not going to concede something that's false, no. Right, okay, so go ahead. Are, 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 are you therefore saying specifically that Yahweh created the universe based yes. on the Kalan no. argument? No, definitely not. Okay, I think we do need to establish that that is not what you're saying. Correct. So what we're, what we're actually saying then with both the Kalan and the Nitzian argument is they do not prove that the universe was created by the God of the Bible. Yeah, I think I think okay. to be more. If, I think if to be you more. Leave it there. That's fine. No, no, no. Because I, I, I think, think some clarity. I think some clarity is required there. I think the clarity would be to say this: we agree, or, or my position is, uh, the Kalam, the Lebnitzian, they do not have the intention to prove that any specific God created the universe or the ability to. No, the ability to I mean is, is the ability to would be different from the intention to do it. But they don't. I'm saying they don't have the ability to. Well, well, that would be begging the question. Why? Why? Because that would be assuming that would be assuming as true the very issue we are debating, which we, which is has the Calum the ability to demonstrate the existence of a God as a rational belief? I say yes. You say no. 
Okay, so how no, are you defining no, God? No. What, what God are we rationally believing in here if we assume that the column yeah. is true, which of course it isn't? That's a good question. The, the God of the column cosmological argument, that's defined in the argument itself. It's a timeless, spaceless, changeless, immaterial, very powerful, personal creator. That's so it's a multi-layered God. assumption. That's the God of... Well, no, it's not an assumption because well, it's you just one of those things. It is. No, I'm not because... I to remind you of what you actually said. Each one of those, as I previously said, is not just bare assertions that are made. This is what the cause must... This is the properties the cause must have. Why? And then you just... And then Why must it have those properties? Well, based on the same arguments I've already outlined... So it's that circular. Is, no, it's, well, can you show me the circularity in this? Well, okay, let well, let me give you one example. Let me give you an example, and you show me the circularity, okay? The universe began to the universe had a cause of its existence. That's the conclusion of the column. See, time began with the universe. That's a cosmological. Yeah, and it assumes that the cause of the universe <clears throat> is a god. So I, I don't know how much more circular you. Jim, let him finish, though. Well, but that even that wouldn't be circular. That would just be a god of the gaps. It wouldn't be circular. Uh, I don't know if you understand what circular is, but if you imagine a circle going around like that. Now, Matthew, I, I do have to say, uh, though you're being far more reasonable than you have been on previous hangouts with us. Well, uh, I wouldn't grant I do, you that. I do Again, find, let, a, just, let me just finish a, what I'm saying. That, I do find that you are being slightly a, condescending towards us. No, I'm not. I'm, I think I think I, I think I would agree with you that. I'm personally condescending toward one individual on the Hangout who demonstrates gross ignorance of the Callum cosmological argument, but thinks he's justified in attacking that argument. And I think that most people don't viewing think this, I know. Okay, but most people viewing this, who view this, will share my view that Jim Gardner does not know the Callum cosmological argument, uh, but has this astounding arrogance when he's trying to speak against it in his ignorance. So The, 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 the sure firest way that you can shut me up about the Kalam is to do what I, you, you claim that it does, which is to present evidence of God. This is, this is, this is question number one, uh, 20, an hour and 23 minutes into the podcast. Well, that's Are you going to answer it or not? If, yeah, if you want to make me look silly, that's all you've got to do. Well, I think I, I, well, I'm not, that's not my objection, and I, that, that's not my objective. Uh, and I've already presented that evidence in regards to the column has a, a formal. I mean, when you get the column, um, you have a formal formal phase of it, the two premises, the conclusion. Mm -hmm. If that goes through, you then have an analysis of the cause, and for anyone who accepts that analysis, then you have. A rational belief in God. Mm -hmm. Obviously, so which, God obviously which God do you believe in? Which which rational God do you believe in? Matthew Bell, which rational God do you believe in? I'll come to that once I finish my statement. Obviously, if and in, and, and this and this is this is not un, um, unheard of with the column. In fact, it's it's pretty common. If you have an objection to one of the premises in the column cosmological argument or you have an objection to any of the supporting arguments for that cause having certain properties, you're not going to be persuaded that the cause must be those things and be God. That's just, you know, that's, but that's what, what I'm trying to do is say, okay, let's at least understand what the column is and what its intention is. I'm not trying to... 
I'm not saying it's a true argument. I'm not asking you to accept it as true. No. I'm just what, saying, what, what try and understand what the argument is. What, what you're saying is it's a logically valid argument. No. That's basically what you're saying. It's, it, I, in my view, it's a good argument. A good argument is one that you don't get any better than good in logic. It's, it's a good logic. argument for the existence of the particular God that you believe in. Yeah. I've already addressed that matter. I'm not going to no, you haven't. You said you were going to come to it and then you didn't. No, I, I, I've already addressed the matter that the calendar does not have the intention to address any specific God. Right, if so how are you defining God? I already defined God in the Kalam as a timeless, spaceless, immaterial, very right. powerful persuasion. Yes, yes. And which God do you believe in? I believe in the I believe in the God of Christianity. Yeah. Right. But thank even you. If, so how do you get from the Kalam to Yahweh? I need to be able to finish my statements. You need to start one first. You mean my statements? No, I, I've made several statements in the chat. You've been here for over an hour. You said. Go ahead, Matthew. I've just muted Jim because I, I do want you to get to the next point. I apologise for muting you, Jim, but I think we need to move this on. Yeah. So, even if... It's fine. It's even, fine. There's a latency, I think. Um, even if the God of Christianity was proven false tomorrow, I would still be a theist based on the Callum cosmological argument, the Cosmol, uh, the, the Klebnitsian and other arguments. So, my theism is not dependent upon a particular God existing. Uh, for example, a deist God could exist. If a deist God exists, then atheism still falls. And you could use the Kalam, the Vagnitsian, and other arguments... the definition of atheism there. Well, deist, I said, not atheist. Deist. You said if deism was true, then atheism was false. Yeah. Yeah, because if, if deism was true, then a, a God exists. If a God exists, then it's not rational to hold to the position God does not exist. Well, let me clarify that. I mean, it's it might still be rational, but, but it, it might not might, be correct. Yeah, it might still be rational to be a weak atheist if you don't see any evidence for that theistic God. But, I mean, I don't think that deists would have the view that there's no evidence for the existence of God. Quite the contrary they would say that there's sufficient evidence to warrant belief in God, but so, not a God of personal revelation. Can I, can I raise something here? On, on, part, on, on uh, premise two of uh, the, the Kalam, uh, do you actually have any evidence that the universe did begin to exist? Do you accept that it, it existed from a, a point well, of singularity? I mean, or do, yeah, you, do you have evidence that can support your position that it did exist because some people think that it's uh, an eternally, you know. Yeah, but 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 yeah, but you're not one of those. You said you don't. But that's don't, irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. So putting aside your disagreement with physicists and cosmologists, etc., and just sticking with yeah, it's it's not a controversial statement that the universe began to exist uh, in cosmology. Lawrence Krauss, for example, he has said in his debate with William Lane Craig, it's a scientific statement to say. Uh, the universe began to exist. Alexander Vilenkin, who is another cosmologist, and these are these are physicists who are cosmologists, unlike Matt Hunt. Um, Alexander Vilenkin, <laughs> Alexander Vilenkin has said, uh, I, I, and this is actually just to give you a just to give you a heads up. This this statement by Alexander Vilenkin is going to be the first premise in my own second version of the column. I'm making. I'm working on my. Just to give you a sec, a heads up, just for you, Jim. And um, so he basically says, "Is any universe?" I have to see what the Microsoft paperclip has to say about that. Any, 
any universe which is in general expanding had a cosmic beginning. It's finite in the past. It's not infinite. It's finite. Yeah, but so this is the thing, though. Universal to see that. But the, the concept of infinite of time into the past is meaningless if time did not exist before the beginning of the universe. Bingo. How can you have cause without time to have a cause within? Well, it's that's a absolutely good meaningless yeah. to, well, to, yeah, to discuss this. Unless unless you have, like, that would be an objection to the column, okay? Now, when, you, when you're dealing with an argument, you have the presentation of the argument, and then you are presented with potential defeaters to that argument. When you're presented with a potential defeater, the only obligation you have upon yourself is to demonstrate a situation in which that defeater would be false. You've then defeated the defeater. Uh, and, and William Lane Craig, again, the, the best representation of the column and many other arguments, he's a fantastic philosopher, uh, basically, uh, he would say that uh, the counter to that defeater would be simultaneous causation. So if the cause and effect occurred simultaneously, there's no God doing something before time began. It happened God was, God was simultaneously. So God, God came into existence from the universe? No, no, no. You must understand. Well, let, let Matthew finish, and then we'll come to Matt, Matt Hunt. Yeah. So Matthew, go first, then we'll go to Matt. Yeah. What Will Lane Cake would propose in response to that objection would be, well, okay, let's imagine God, God, God exists there's no, without the universe, okay? Can't happen, but let's go ahead. How, why can't it happen? Because, you've already, because we've already ascertained that time cannot exist before the universe exists. But God's so not. How, it, but but what, what if God? How does? But you've already oh, described no, 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 this God no, no, no. as being timeless, matterless, yes. uh, and having yes. no form. So this yes. being does not exist. Why does he not exist? No, 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 I can't let that go. Why does? Why no. could a? Why could? Why could a timeless, immaterial? Being not exists without you. You realise by describing it as being timeless and immaterial, you're describing it as non-existent. No, I don't believe that at all. I, and How I, and I, can something that cannot act and has no form mm-hmm. exist? Well, but, but what you're doing is you're begging the question of philosophical naturalism or physicalism, <laughs> i.e. Answer the question, Matthew Bell. How can it exist? I just did answer the question. No, you told me I was begging. I was begging the question, but tell me, yeah. how can such a thing exist? No, the, the, well, when we are dealing with logical possibility, the only things that cannot exist are things which are uh, contradictory, like a married bachelor or square circles. Omniscient being. Or a timeless, yeah, massless yeah, thing yeah, that doesn't exist but, and but, exist at the same time. But that would be a separate argument, the omniscient thing. We can come to that if you want. But So what you need to do is, if you're going <laughs> I love to see... how everything's always coming, but never actually arrives. Well, what I, tried, go what, I tried, what I try to do is deal with one argument at a time. The shotgun approach of debate isn't it isn't taken seriously by people serious about the discussion. Um, so, if you're going to propose that a timeless, immaterial thing cannot exist without the universe, you need to show why that would be logically impossible. Where is How? the time? For that God to exist in. That's what I'm saying. God would be timeless without time. So non-existent. Yeah, there is a no, but, but, but the thing is, Welcome I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to There is a period of time when God exists and the universe no, is not. not. No, there's not. No, absolutely not. 
So the Not universe before. has always existed when God no. has existed? No, there's a period of time where God existed without the universe. And, and, then, a, there is, and no, then, no, then there's the universe. Correct, I'm trying to correct what, myself there. What time was God existing in before he created the universe? Real time. So did time exist before what, the universe existed? That, well, again, that's a possibility. Can what you, have, can you provide evidence? It's not, yeah, let me just, well, go, let me just say I, something here. I, I think it's quite important because, if it's, because it, it seems to me that your argument hinges entirely on this time existing. You're it saying doesn't. it is a possibility because if it doesn't exist, then God cannot act. Yes. No. So no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. How does let, one act without no. time to act in? Let me clarify, okay? Okay, go ahead. The, the argument can work in two ways. William Lane Craig's argument proposes a timeless being, timeless, immaterial, changeless, spaceless, powerful being, who through an act of simultaneous causation brings the universe into existence. Wow. But, but, but... Talk about jumping through hoops. But even, but let's assume that what, let, let's assume for the sake of argument, that was what you're claiming, Alex, and let's say that was impossible. There's a backup argument presented by another philosopher, and that's basically that we exist in um, like uh, time as we know it, but God exists in real time. So and real what time. You have to support that that assertion. Well, well, what I was saying to you, Alex, is as I said before, when you're dealing with in philosophy, when you're dealing with subject matters, you 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 deal in the what could be what. What, what would happen if this was the case? Would that be logically impossible? What objections would there be to that being the case? Now, if you can't find a way where that could not be the case, i.e. it would be, it then becomes a logical possibility, regardless of whether you can demonstrate it to be an actuality in reality. So if God exists in real time, and we live in chronological time, you can have God I mean, for yeah, starters, why, I, if, if it can exist in that altered state of somehow nothing to do with our physical universe, why are you calling it God? You just, you might as well use a carrot or a VW Beetle. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But Where address, on earth is the connection between the two points exactly? But let me address MK's statement. Um, Rather than mine. Well, well, I'll come to you. No, I'll come to yours. I mean, I mean, Jim, you seem to. Well, I'm waiting for you to come to my first point. Well, okay, Jim, I'm more than happy. I mean, let me put this proposition to you, Jim. If you want to have a one-on-one, -on -one live, on-air debate with me, just me and you, and three moderators, two atheists, one Christian, related to the subject of atheism, theism, or any related subject, I'm more than happy to arrange that debate, have that debate with you, and we can we can flesh out all these issues if you want. So I would challenge you to accept my proposal to I've have got, that one-on-one no on one debate. All. The, the only, I've got Excellent. no problem so with that you, The only so stipulation you, that I would ask for is that it's on a channel that you can't delete. Yeah, you choose the channel. I don't care what channel it is. You, well, we do it on your channel. Fundamentally, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we can set right. that. If you, if you set that Let's up... Let's set a date and time. Let's say Saturday the 25th at half past ten. What date? Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, is that 
Yeah, right, but, but okay. But you know, Jim, I'm seri- I'm offering you a serious proposition of a debate, and I'm accepting it. Let's let's you do know. it right here and now. Well, no, let's have this no, discussion. This is a this is a hangout. This is a hangout with several individuals with input to put into it. And what I'm saying to you is, I would be more than glad to uh, engage in you with a one-on-one debate. Um, and I'm sure people watching this would love that opportunity to see that debate. Well, uh, you let me know the topic, the fixed topic that moderators make sure that we stick to a week yeah. in advance, and I'll be there. Eight, well, I'll give you the topic then, okay, that I would propose to you. Is Eight, Christianity yeah. true? Yeah, cool, we can go with that, yeah. No problem. Yeah, or let's have two topics, okay, one chosen by you, one by me. Yeah? Let's arrange this Let me know what the topic is in advance. Okay, but to come to the point by MK Skeptic, okay? Um, you, what you said was this, I think, I think I'm uh, quoting you correctly, you said, this is Alice in Wonderland stuff. It is. Okay. What, what, you're, what you're putting to me, what you're putting to me, and I want to be clear that I understand what you're saying, is we have the time, the space-time that we currently exist in, and separate to that, we have God-time, which you've described as being real-time. Now, my objection to that is that just seems to be a very convenient, um, almost God of the gaps explanation to deal with how God can exist outside of the space-time of the universe. No, well, well, let me answer that, okay? But I want to say two points. That's on that. my understanding. So please yeah, okay. go for that. Yeah, no, that's cool. But what I would say is two things: that you're right that what we are dealing in here is Alice in Wonderland stuff, as in it's it's it's, it's really out there. But you know what? That's why philosophy is so beautiful. That's what it deals with. It deals with things that are out there. It goes, be, it's metaphysics. It transcends physics. Physics can't go beyond the physical world. Philosophy goes where physics can't go. So yes, it is out there. The same as solipsism's out there. All of that kind of stuff in philosophy, it's out there. That's what, that's what makes it superior to science, in my view. But the second point you make is you would be right that the the real-time thing would be an ad hoc response if it was a cop-out to get out of objections to the cow. Why is but, it not? Because William Lane Craig doesn't take that approach. William no, Lane Craig... Make it right, though. No, but what is... Well, go through, go right. through the argument. Go through the logical, philosophical argument to justify the existence of real time. Yeah, but that's not part of the Callum cosmological argument or or any part of William Lake Craig's defence of the Callum. What he will but do... You, you, you've introduced this concept. Yeah, because what I'm... I'd, I'd like to hear you justify yeah, it. Because I'm not William Lane Craig. Okay, as much as people like to think I'm some sort of sock puppet for William Lane Craig, I have my own mind, my own thinking... And I have my own way of approaching issues. So what I'm saying to you is, okay, let's let's go with what Alex proposed. Alex proposed that um, the column can't be right because it would, it would create some sort of logical impossibility no. with God existing outside of time, uh, before time began, etc. And I'm saying, okay, let's grant him that. Well, the column's still not necessarily defeated because if I took the view... Not William Lane Craig, if I took the view that based on another philosopher not dealing with the Callum, 
that God exists in real time and we exist in chronological time, which is but a pure reflection of God's time, then you have a time, God's time, before time, our time, exists. I, I, no problems. I, I'm hearing all of that, Matthew, but I'm not hearing the philosophical argument to justify the existence of God time. I, 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 that, would be, that would be beyond the scope of me to detail in this um, hangout, because... That's based, I mean, I can give you the link to it. It's called God in Real Time. Uh, you'll find it, uh, William Lane Cake has a commentary on it in his articles page. But it's been a long time since I looked at that argument. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so foolish as to try and rethink or reinvent all that in my head and try and present it. But if you want, I'm more than happy to give you a link to it where you can see William Lane Cake's review of it and consider the arguments and, proposi- and proposal of it. Okay, well, how would you... The problem there is, in his arguments, uh, William Lane Craig uh, makes a rather foolish assumption, which mm. even in principle cannot be uh, observed, and that's the existence of a fundamental uh, reference frame. Um, I think it's called the Neo-Libitian idea, but he basically uses... Um, the the assumption that there's a single inertial frame where it's always where you can where oh, you can I, I certainly you point me to be Will Nick I mean Will Nick this is not Will Nick's argument this is another it's, guy's it's, argument it's, not, it's an argument that he uses and I can't I, it'll, take me, it'll take me time to dig out the actual reference, uh, and there's also a YouTube video, but he does use some very, very dodgy physics, which I think, in principle, cannot be observed. Well, 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 I, well of course, but, uh, well, okay, let's take that last statement there. In principle, cannot, that, that, that's an... That's an unfalsifiable statement. It's, it's basically just throwing out something. I could say that, in principle, disconnected universes from other universes can, can never... Can, in fact, it is impossible to observe disconnected universes from us because they are disconnected. But that doesn't stop uh, scientists hypothesizing the existence of disconnected universes and disconnected dimensions that we can never have access to. Right, but the difference is they don't presuppose that those other dimensions came into existence because of the actions caused by uh, unchanging, unphysical, whatever definitions you give to go earlier on. They don't need to insert that God of the gaps. They just use the existing physics. But, okay, so are you saying the Callum cosmological arguments are God of the gaps argument? Yes. Can I I raise something about the Callum here? Yeah, but wait, I want to address that first. Okay, Okay, this is fun. Uh, so, what is a God of the Gaps argument? What, what, what do you think that is? It, it isn't, well, tell me what you think it is. Uh, well, most of the stuff that you've come out with for the last hour and a half, really. Cool. But give me what you... So, I mean, other people aren't going to share that view. You understand that, yeah? A God of the Gaps argument is where, let's say, science, science has pushed back certain boundaries, like the line of demarcation between what you want to believe and what you can prove. Yeah. And, and, and the further back that line moves, the narrower and narrower the God of the Gaps gets. Until yeah. eventually we're now at the point where you have to hypothesize all sorts of nonsense about what happened before time. Well, you, 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 you can't get before time. Exactly. That's the right. point. Unless, unless something exists in real time. 
that you've got well, this, this all the real time that we somehow now have to start yeah, talking about because that's oh, the gap right. you've been forced into. Oh, so you just, thank okay. you for demonstrating mean, what a god of the gaps mean, argument is. Do you mean that? Do you mean the, the? You mean like the 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 science of the gap arguments, like multiverses and quantum loop theory and um, zero energy creations of the universe and Stephen Hawking's. The universe will. I don't think any of those have been described as theories. I think they're hypotheses. Yeah, correct. Understand the difference. Yeah, yeah, and what they are is they're just they're just science gap fillers. No, they're not. They extend to what we already know. Oh right, they extend which we tested in the lab and by observations, and we're pushing them into these directions, push them to extreme cases to see. A, if they make any sense in those cases. Right. Cool. B, if they to do. Make them, to make okay, so with Matthew Hunt. I finished. thought he was finished. Yeah, I was thought he was finished. He was still talking, so, evidently. Yeah. Yes, I was. So, it's you see, science of the gaps. It's not science of the gaps. Yeah, it's, it taking, it's taking our knowledge and pushing it to an area which we've not studied using these these models before. So uh, it's hypothesis then, yeah, scientific hypothesis. So yeah, what we've done not a is, and, and this is and this is, is how science is it scientific hypothesis, it. yes or no? It's a hypothesis so and once it's in, then it's either true so, or so false. What, so so what we've done is 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 we do is we push as I said, we push our knowledge into areas which we haven't studied and then we make predictions of what we should see. Or, if if we push into an area which we should see, think that we should get a sensible answer, and our models break down, then that would be an indication that our models which we're using, A, uh, aren't, aren't uh, more complete, or B, uh, wrong. So we have to then go and revise our ideas, revise our models to try and extend their their uh, domain of applicability from what we know to, and what we can observe into something that we don't know. So, so when we do that, what we can do is we, can ha we have a beautiful extension of our theory and we can see how things change. So then, then we can make more predictions on how they should change, what we should observe, and then when when we do observe them, we we we, we test usually by by uh, plotting some sort of graph of or spectrum or something. So when we do this, we can examine our models and our experiments, and we can see how closely those two match. And if they match closely, then we can say that our model predicts what we observe, and that would be a good thing. Uh, this uh, has happened with the CMB um, stuff. It's, we get a wonderful uh, uh, match between theory and experiment. It's, it's almost unreal how close the actual data points are to the actual theory. But that doesn't mean to say that it was hypothesis. No, it made a prediction. Wow. Yeah, so it's hypothesis. Multiverses are hypothesis, correct? It's prediction. It's a so are you saying it's not a... Well, are you really going to be on this hangout as a scientist representing science, as a physicist representing physicists and say categorically on this hangout that multiverse is not a scientific hypothesis? That's exactly the opposite of what he's just said. 
I'm asking the question. I, I, I'm, I'm dying. But you're not I'm listening dying to the answer, though, are you? I'm waiting with eager anticipation for Matthew Hunter, physicist, to... So what I'm saying is, I'm <laughs> saying that it's a prediction of known physics. Is it a hypothesis, yes or no? A prediction that has to okay. be tested. Right, and, and if so it can be tested cool. in principle. Right, so but it's a prediction. Uh, and what's the difference That's between? That's the word I'm going to use. Prediction. Cool. Okay, so what's the difference between a prediction that has yet to be tested and a hypothesis that has yet to be tested? An hypothesis has been something that has been drawn out from some some data. Yeah. Something we know. Something we know no, about. No, 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 no. Some data, some empirical data. Yeah. So what you do is you see some imp some imp empirical yeah, data. Something we know and about. Then, yeah. And then no, what you do data. is empirical data. He said and empirical then, data. Yes. So empirical data. So that's something we know about. No, it's data. No, no, it's data. So it's not empirical. What does the word empirical mean? What does the word empirical mean? Empirical data. What does the word empirical mean? What does the word bellend mean? It's time for the post show, guys. What does the word empirical mean, Matt? It means it comes to me the observation or experiment. Right. So observation experiment, that's things we know about. So then... Is that correct? So Listen, then, I'm obviously surplus to requirement here, so have a great time, guys. Cool. Is that... Is so that is then that what we do is... Is that no, true? That empirical data, we then make a hypothesis yeah. about how what the data should yeah. look like and what perhaps what general rules the data should conform to. So and then you make the hypothesis either in the form of some sort of law or some sort of um, statement which we can use to make models, and then we can and then we can test that hypothesis. So. The one hypothesis which we can test in the lab is the speed of a light. The speed of light in vacuum is constant in all in, in all reference in all inertial reference frames. So yeah. we, that would be a hypothesis which we then tested. That yeah. hasn't come out of. Uh, well, actually, it did, but that's yeah, a hypothesis that Einstein made. So, so what we're doing now is we're not making hypotheses. We're making predictions of known theories, which we can push into these extreme cases, and then say, "Okay, we push these into an extreme case. The theory hasn't broken. It makes a prediction. That prediction is that we have mul multiple universes. Right. That okay. isn't that isn't so an hypothesis. It's a prediction from known theories. Whether we can. So then you can argue, can it be not, tested? Yeah. Well, that's that's possible. Or oh. we can say uh, the theory that we, that we that we got it from. Can we? Ex are we right in extending it in this direction? And, and the answer is we have to extend it in as many directions yeah. as we can right. to try and make up a complete model. Cool. And how do you test? How do, how do you propose that in principle we test the multiverse hypothesis? I'm not an experimentalist. I don't know exactly. And but the thing is though. Here's someone who is. Here's someone who is a theoretical physicist. So he knows what he's talking about, yeah? I thought you said we weren't going to do appeals to authority earlier. It's not an appeal to authority. Yes, I mean, it is. It's exactly an appeal to authority. Well, no, Matthew Hunt refused to identify himself as an authority because he's not qualified 
neither is William Lane Craig looking at yeah, his but, qualifications. But here's someone who is, Lawrence Krauss, a theoretical physicist, a cosmologist, a scientist, yeah? An atheist, there's four. Well, actually, what, what Matthew Bell says... And this is what he says. And this is what he says. Oxford didn't count me as being trained in cosmology. That Correct. is basically what he said. Correct. You're, so, you're, you're not a cosmologist. You're not current in cosmology. What you did was years ago. It's not relevant to the discussion. And neither but, is... Yes, it is. Craig, it is I agree with you, Alex. I agree with you, Alex. Right, I agree with you. Right, I agree with you. I've had but enough of this now. Here's what, uh, here's what Lawrence Krauss says, if you want answer. to hear it. Yeah, let me answer the question. This I'm is hoping the answer is eventually going to be, why is it God? Well, yeah, but we're, yeah. We're, we're on the subject here of uh, Matt trying to get away from using the word hypothesis and use prediction, which is the same thing. But here's well, what Lawrence Krauss says. Well, here, well, Lawrence Krauss is a theoretical physicist. He's current in cosmology. He's at the cutting edge of it. I think he's the director of the Origins Foundation, unless I'm mistaken. So he's, he's pretty much up there. He's pretty much involved. This is what he says about multiverses. Are these multiverses metaphysical? The answer is, if they, were, if they were, they wouldn't be worth talking about. I'm not a big fan of metaphysics. But metaphysics at least has some content. The point is... It sounds like you'd never be able to discover another universe that was outside of our universe. And that's true. Except, here's a way I think you could turn it, multiverses, into science. And it isn't science yet. It is speculation. I try extremely hard in my book to make the difference between what is speculation and what... Oh, for God's sake. Are we going to wrap it up for the post-show? I think that's quite rude to just mute him like that. Yeah, you were. Very rude. Right. But, yeah, we, I mean... Okay, I think it's not... Right, however, I am now going to mute everybody because I'm the host, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Don't go on muting yourselves, please. I, wow. I don't know what the fuck has happened here. Uh, no, you. I, be quiet, everybody. I'm fed up. Uh, no, I'm not going to be quiet just because you say so. Okay, well, as the host of the show, I'll make you be quiet. It's yeah, quite of simple. Course. Yeah, and people there we go. That's that sorted. Right. Uh, we've had nothing resembling. A right, I've just kicked Matthew Bell because. Uh, he muted me, and as the host of the show, I'm not having that. Uh, what's happened here now, everybody can feel free to unmute yourselves now. Uh, what's happened here is he's baited Jim to the point where Jim has left by belittling Jim's opinion when Jim was asking perfectly rash, rational questions. Uh, I think maybe calling him a bell was a little bit extreme, but, you know, it's up to Jim how but he wants to be. To be fair, I, I do think Jim was just frustrated as well that, that you muted him several times. It... I'm trying to I be, understand why. But I'm trying to be an even-handed moderator with this. And, you know, if people don't want that to happen, then, you know, that's it. But we're going to go to the post-show now. So uh, that's the end of this show. So go for that, and we'll be there in a minute. I'll post the link in a moment. <laughs>